Hi, I'm Johanna Ferreira, content director of Pop Sugar Juntos. Juntos is all about celebrating Latin A culture, pride, our many intersectional identities, and joy. Thanks to support from Prime, there's so much to get into over at Juntos this month. From conversations with the Latin A minds behind our favorite new movies and resurrected TV shows, to thoughtful celebrity commentary and exclusive interviews with some of the biggest Latin music artists today. And it doesn't stop there. Get more of the music, movies, and shopping you love on Prime. Whatever you're into, it's on Prime. Visit Amazon.com slash Prime to get more of whatever you're into from streaming to shopping. And get all of our latest coverage at PopSugar.com slash Juntos. Con amor, Johanna. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Forget the frustration of picking commerce platforms when you switch your business to Shopify. The global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell. With Shopify, you'll harness the same intuitive features, trusted apps, and powerful analytics used by the world's leading brands. Sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash tech, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash tech. How easy would it be for you to hack into my stuff right now? If, if I really wanted to and I was at a computer, it'd probably take me about half an hour. And you could find out everything. I find out everything, your bank account information, your Twitter password, your all your passwords to all your accounts. Um, Half an hour. Give or take. This is Mike Calchite. Like so many of us, he first accessed the internet in the early 90s when AOL started sending their floppy disks and later CDs through the mail. At one point, half of the CDs in the world are being produced for AOL's direct mail campaign. Every six seconds, someone new signed up. Welcome. Calche was nine or ten years old, living with his parents in Montreal. AOL is actually what made me want to be a hacker or kind of forced me to be a hacker. Because that 30-day process where they allow you internet for free 30 days, I wasn't sure if my father was going to give me his credit card number to reinstate the service. So what I had to do was... I found an application that allowed you to log on to AOL and appear to other people as if you were an administrator of AOL. And I was messaging other users saying, excuse me, uh, due to a power outage at one of our facilities, we need to verify your password. And sure enough, um, the first four out of four gave me their passwords. And I was using other people's um, AOL account information to stay online. That's Wait a second, like you're, t- you're 10 years old. Are you thinking the whole time, oh my God, this is working. I can't believe this is working, this trick? Uh, I was kind of, I guess, surprised in the sense that it was this easy. I would have figured it would have taken a few attempts. I knew I would have got somebody at some point, but to go four for four on the first attempts, I was like, okay, this is like, uh, no problem. I have internet permanently now. Of course, most kids feel like they can get away with anything. But if by fifth grade, you're already smarter than most of the adults around you, maybe you actually can. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Criminal. In many ways, Calche's early experience with the internet wasn't so different from a lot of people's. It started with AOL, but then he found out you could download stuff. Movies, music, games, all free, albeit illegal, if you knew where to look. But the thing was, there was like a queue list where you had to wait in line um, because other people wanted the software as well. So I kind of wanted to find a way to like 
you know, skip the system and be able to just download whatever I want. Access to this free stuff was run by hackers, and Calche realized he could skip the line if he found a way to work with them. So he sent a message to someone he thought was in charge. And he said, oh, sorry, look, we're only looking for experienced hackers already. We're not interested in noobs, which is basically like someone who has no idea what they're doing and is new to the industry. I said, look, give me two weeks. Give me a trial period. I'm a very fast learner, and I promise I won't disappoint you. The guy gave Calche a series of tests, and he passed. He was good, really good. He was breaking into university networks. Yale, UCLA, Harvard. So you're, you're 11 or 12 now, and you're, you're trying to break into UCLA and Harvard. Exactly. So I had to like pretend to go to sleep, then wake up, and then go back on the computer. And typically, like I would sleep through the first two classes of school every morning because I spent most of my hacking activities at night. By high school, Calche had hooked up with what he describes as basically a group of elite Russian hackers. He considered them his friends, but there was a lot of paranoia. You couldn't really be sure of who you were talking to or what they were capable of. And it wasn't just online. They also talked on the phone. As Calche explains it, someone would steal a credit card number and use it to buy a conference call line. It was kind of like a Friday night thing. And... Someone would post a phone number and post a pin, and a bunch of hackers would go on this conference call line. And what would you do once you got there? Every instance was a bit different, but um, a lot of it is mumbo-jumbo because there's, you know, 30 hackers, like, basically talking trash to each other. But in one instance, um, there, there was an American hacker on one end, and there was a Russian hacker on the other end, and they were basically calling each other out. The American was threatening to divulge the Russians' personal information. The term is doxing. And in this hyper-anonymous world, it basically shows your own skill while embarrassing the other guy. And, you know, a few other the hackers were egging them on and saying, like, all right, let's see what you guys got. Let's go, let's go. There he is. And uh, so they started going at it. And, like, throughout the process of the phone call, the American hacker was kind of, like, taunting the Russian, like, oh, yeah, I'm getting, I'm getting your information right now as we speak. Yeah, but I will find it. He's like, don't worry. And the Russian was really silent, not really saying anything. At some point, like 20 minutes down this conversation, the American's like, all right, I'm getting pretty close. I'm accessing some of your information. And the, and the Russian finally speaks up and he's like, well, you don't have to do that. And the American's like, what are you talking about? And then the Russian starts going off, listing off his parents' name, his home address, and social security number. The American like started admitting defeat, like he started pleading. He's like, please, no, no, like, all right, I, I give. And the Russian's like, no, I'm not done with you. You were talking a big game, like, now let's see what's going on. And the American started screaming on the phone and he's like, he's like, what the hell did you just do? What the hell did you just do? And the Russian's like, bye-bye, kiss mommy goodnight for me. And I mean, I'm not, I don't know if I want to say this too explicitly, but the American was like, holy shit, you cut the fucking power from my house. So he's sitting there in the dark. He's sitting there in the dark and he's on the phone line. He was just freaking out, losing it. And then people started exploding on the chat. I was very impressed and in awe with what he was capable of doing. Just for context, that was 1999, the same year that people were freaking out about Y2K. And Al Gore claimed to have created the Internet. So much of these chat room pranks were about one-upmanship, about making other hackers afraid of you, and Calche had yet to try. So the following year, in February of 2000, 
he made his move. And I basically shut down eBay, CNN, E-Trade, Dell, and Amazon.com. Uh, how did you how did you do that? Basically, what I did is is I hacked into almost every major university college in America, and I combined them all together. I made like a massive network by combining all the universities and colleges that I had compromised together. And I basically set them up as slaves and I set one master network that was like the boss, let's say. And when I would tell that master computer to shoot all your bandwidth, all your internet speed available that you have available to this one designated site, all the other universities and colleges that I had compromised would respond at exactly the same time. So it would launch like a coordinated attack. And so I would say, all right, I'd go to the master computer and say, all right, here's e eBay's IP address. Let's target eBay. At this point in time in 2000, on the scale of large business hacks, where did this rank? At the time, it was definitely the biggest hack. Over the course of a week, Calche basically broke the websites of E-Trade, Yahoo, Buy.com, eBay, Dell, CNN, and Amazon. By most estimates, the attack caused $1.7 billion in lost revenue, even though the sites were only down for a few hours. We asked a couple of other hackers what they thought about it, and they said Calche demonstrated what many in the community already knew was possible. He basically proved just how powerful the technology could be. So where were you when you get arrested? I was at a friend's house, um, actually, ironically, watching a Goodfellas movie. Uh, it was three in the morning, give or take, and I received a phone call from my father saying, you know, they're here. And I'm like, pardon me, who's there? But I could tell by the tone of his voice that, you know, it, the show was over, basically, and that uh, the RCMP, which is like the Canadian version of the FBI, and the FBI as well were in a joint task force, and they had raided my house. And, and, and your parents, I mean, your parents know nothing of what's going on when they, when the police and the FBI show up at the door? Um, my dad knew at this point because I had told him prior to, the, prior to getting raided that I was the person responsible for these attacks. What, uh, what was his response? You know, I was pretty smart about it. Like, basically, I had to pick the right time to tell him. And I picked a Sunday when he was like, you know, eating a, eating a nice panini and... Wait, I don't know. He's got the panini, so he doesn't care about the New York Stock Exchange. It's okay, he's got the sandwich. Right, he's got the sandwich, you know? So I figured, like, the best time to deliver this kind of news is when you're in the process of eating some good food. I figured it would kind of alleviate some of the, um, the stress involved with what I'm about to tell him. And, you know, my dad's a cool, calm, collected kind of guy, so he, he took it rather well. He was kind of shocked, um... But he was very professional about it and said, listen, we need to go see a lawyer. We need to get prepared. And that's exactly what we did. Before they even raided me, I had already seen a lawyer on three, four, several different occasions. But they couldn't protect you from jail. Nobody could at this point. And, you know, quite thankfully, I guess I was 15 years old at this point. Because if I was 18, um, I don't think we'd be talking over the radio right now. Because Calche was a minor, the police couldn't release his name. Media outlets referred to him only as his alias, Mafia Boy. Janet Reno, the attorney general, referred to him only as Mafia Boy. 
The suspect, who goes by the online name Mafia Boy, has been charged in connection with the cyber attack on the CNN network website. I believe this recent breakthrough demonstrates our capacity to track down those who would abuse this remarkable new technology. He pleaded guilty to 57 counts of, quote, mischief to data in the Montreal Youth Court and was sentenced to eight months in a youth detention center and a year of probation after that. He could go to school, but he couldn't use a computer. Wired magazine reported it as, quote, the cyber strike that put the Internet security issues on a national stage and inaugurated an era where any pissed-off script kitty could take down part of the web at will. I was very content that I was able to accomplish this goal. I, I felt like a sense of accomplishment when I was, you know, hacking and able to infiltrate such high-profile targets. If you hadn't gotten caught, uh, would you still be would you still be hacking? Absolutely not. Because to be quite honest with you, if I wanted to hack, I still could hack. They caught me for those attacks because I was boasting about them in public chats. And that's when they started to like single me out and, you know, really divert their attention towards me. They never found me through technical means. It's not like I left uh, digital footprints anywhere. I knew what I was doing. The point is, is that it's wrong. When Calche got caught, a reporter pointed out to Janet Reno that Calche was a minor and asked how the justice system was equipped to handle kids that caused so much damage. She didn't say we'd be able to stay one step ahead of them. She said she thought we needed to teach them better manners. That they are not going to get, be able to get away with something like this because of age. There has got to be a remedy. There's got to be a penalty. But more importantly, we have got to renew our efforts to teach young people, children, young people, cyber ethics, so that we ensure that this tool is used by all concerned to expand our opportunity for learning, for communication, for commerce. It's like a game of cat and mouse, where the cat is asking the mouse to slow down and play nice. Calche is 31 now. He makes a living trying to help companies find weak spots in their networks. A lot of people in the cybersecurity industry are like him. Kids who started out breaking things, all grown up and now in high demand. Criminal is produced by Lauren Spohr, who debuted on AOL as The Book Princess, Eric Menel, a.k.a. Red Sox 1302, and me, J 44 that's unchanged for 20 years. Julianne Alexander does our episode art. You can find all of our episodes on iTunes, where you can subscribe to the show. Our website is thisiscriminal.com. We're on Facebook and Twitter, at Criminal Show. And thanks to all who donated to the Radiotopia Kickstarter. We made the goal, and we're looking forward to bringing you more new shows next year. As part of Radiotopia, we'll be working with shows like Benjamin Walker's Theory of Everything, His newest episode features Ethan Zuckerman, the guy who invented the pop-up ad. Turns out he thinks internet advertising has gotten out of hand. To try to convince investors that ads are somehow going to be worth money because it's very clear that no one likes them, no one wants to encounter them, we've had to make them more and more intrusive and we've functionally had to put people under surveillance. That's Benjamin Walker's theory of everything. I'm Phoebe Judge. This is Criminal. Goodbye.
What scares you? What scares me is that that if if this gets to the level of terrorism one day, where people you know water sanitation sites and stuff like the water being pumped into your home is pretty much all automated these days, and you know they put fluoride in our water, they put different chemicals, and it's it's mainly all balanced to be safe. But what if a hacker obtains access to one of these uh, water facilities and and changes the the fluoride levels so that it's actually poisonous and harmful to human beings? Uh, these are type of things that scare me. Shutting off power in hospital facilities, uh, making automated defense missile systems launch against their own nation. Um, these are things to re- that really scare me.